up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your head and let it blow into me. Get up, Welcome. We are recording today on the stolen lands of the Eora and Kulin Nations. Sovereignty was never ceded and this was and always will be Aboriginal land. Thank you, Joe. Welcome to episode 23 of Chronically Fully Sick. Now, um, before we begin, I would like to read um, what I'm referring to as uh, the Lord's Prayer bracket Spoonie remix. Our mystic I hate pro- the Lord. Yeah, well, it's not about the Lord. It's uh, about our beautiful, our mystic chronic illness, Wiccan Supreme, who art ruling in a pain-free realm. Hallowed be thy name. Thy queendom come. Thy pain-relieving magic will be done on earth as it is in spoony heaven. Give us this day our daily meds and forgive us our internalised ableism as we try to forgive those who suggest yoga to us. Lead us not into... Lead us not into flare-ups and deliver us some nice painkillers and maybe a coffee. Your queendom, the powerful and glorious, chronically fully sick community forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that oh, nice? That lovely. <laughs> I think I've seen the light. Yeah, it is. That's what, this is how faith feels. Wow. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Mm, mm, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, if you want to get updates on us and the Chronically Fully Sick podcast, you can do that on Twitter at Chronic Full Sick, Instagram at Chronically Fully Sick if you like memes, some tasty memes, mm. or you can get in touch with us via our website, chronicallyfullysick.com. Uh, we do have a group on Facebook called Chronically Fully Sick, which is filled with other sick people who chat about all things chronic illness and disability. And if you would like to do us a favor for providing you with all this brilliant and definitely accurate and scientifically researched content for free, <laughs> uh, you know, you can just rate us on your um you know, podcast app. That would be great. Five stars would be really cool because it helps other people find us above some other woo-woo bullshit. Yes. And, um, yeah, if you could, Mm. like, leave a a comment telling us how hot and sexy we are because, look, we love to hear it. We love to hear it and we we need to hear it. So, yeah, Mm. just leave that review word for word as I just said. Thank you so much. Now, we don't we don't podcast every week, obviously, because we're very busy women, mm, very yes. busy, important. But uh, news, news and issues tend to come up a lot in between mm. podcasts. So we yes. just, you know, we just get in there and we just sneak through the, the garbage and pick out the best little tasty morsels to mm. talk to. Like rats. About. So, yeah, like little rats. Yeah, like little skinny um, rats. So the biggest and most glorious bit of cheese, a really good bit of cheese that we found mm. today in the God, garbage I pile I had some cheese. I oh, know. Uh, really is that our friends in New Zealand have, the government has just announced a new ministry for disabled people uh, and accessibility law, which we're really happy about. Mm. Yeah, it, it's rolling out a different approach to support services um, and making everything entirely more accessible. Um, the Minister for Disability Issues, Carmel Cepoloni, and Health Minister Andrew Little announced this a couple of weeks ago and said, the disabled community told us that disability issues are not just health issues. Mm. We've heard and responded to their desire to lift disability support out of the health system which is why we're establishing a new ministry for disabled people to deliver support for all disabled people. So cool. I think it's cool that it's, yeah, sitting out of outside of the health system in a way. Absolutely. Like it's one of those, I always think mm. of New Zealand as like, I know they hate it when we refer to them as like the little little brother or sister, but I think of them as like the younger sibling who is like achieving way more and is way better at everything. That's how I think mm, of New Zealand. Totally. And so th- it's shit like this where it's like, oh, hey, disabled people said that there's so many barriers and they need some help. So we've set up this. Oh, mm. cool. Listening. like, <laughs> Yeah, well, listening. they said um, that the establishment of a new ministry recognises that a broader and whole-of-life approach to disability is needed as opposed to viewing disability as just a health issue. We have listened to the community and ensure that the mantra of nothing about us without us sits at the heart of the most transformative changes to the disability system in more than a decade. 
That's so, that's great. Nothing about us without us, like, referencing that. Can you imagine if our government did something like this? We would be like, oh, God, no. What's, what's wrong with you? Are you sick? Like, what, <laughs> what's happening? You would, mm. you've never done anything good like this. It's just, like, so far out of scope that I just can't imagine us ever being progressive enough to do anything like this. It's just, it's really, really awesome really cool so we'll see how it does pan out but they're just making sure that the disability support services are easier to access improving legislation you know removing barriers that are in place for disabled people when trying to access help and installing an accessibility governance board yeah so i mean uh, governments tend to do a lot of crapping on and double speak and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um uh, but they're sort of they're sort of saying here that um, being a disabled person extends far beyond just health issues and into things like housing, in, uh, employment, transport, yeah. education, all of that kind of thing. And I think that demonstrates a really thorough understanding of disabled and sick people's lives. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go with actually getting uh, disabled people involved and on the boards for these types of thing for like this whole thing as well mm. like because they've mm. obviously made a point of saying nothing about us without us but it, it like you said it's always like one of those things that when stuff like this gets set up it all sounds really great and then all of a sudden it will just be like able-bodied people doing the exact same shit you know over and over again so like I tend not to believe when things like this happen, but Mm. look, New Zealand is actually much more progressive than us, so it may be really good, but I'd really like to see that, you know, disabled people are maybe they, you know. (laughs) Maybe they wouldn't divert funding like they did with the NDIS here to to farmers for drought relief. Mm, Yeah, maybe they could. That uh, was really good when that happened. I'm sure that they could find money for both of those things. Yeah, they could, Uh, maybe, (laughs) out of our enormous defence budget or something like that. What's uh, next Mm. up in the the news agenda? So I don't know if people realise this, but obviously flying when you use uh, mobility aids can be a little difficult, but... I had never thought about exactly how difficult it is to fly if you require quite a large and complicated wheelchair. And apparently in the US, airlines are completely notorious Mm. for damaging um, people's wheelchairs and losing them. Um, So Losing them is like, that's the thing that freaks me out more. Mm. Damaging. It's like, yeah, sure, you guys need better options with like putting it in the hold thing, like strapping it in and making sure it's secure. How do you Mm. lose a massive wheelchair? Like, how do you? I don't Man, I don't know. Who's like? It's, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, continue. There are airlines are notorious for it. Notorious. So, in fact, um, and we couldn't find the figures for Australia, but um, US airlines have lost or damaged more than 15,000 wheelchairs since late 2018 when they started actually collecting this data. Mm. So, that breaks down to roughly 29 wheelchairs a day. A day. Mishandled by a day. A day. <laughs> mishandled by airlines since they, um, yeah, since this record keeping was yeah. uh, put in place. I tried to um, I tried to look for the statistics of this and in mm-hmm. in Australia and we don't have any sort of data that collects well any sort of data collection on this at all and I think maybe that's for a reason and maybe there was a reason why the US wasn't doing it for so long because we found mm, out that 29 wheelchairs a day have been <laughs> lost or damaged um so yeah when I was looking for stuff I did, I like I said there is no sort of statistic Uh, statistical data for it however I did find a story of a man called oh man I googled how to say this man's surname because it is very difficult uh Rehoric Rehoric I think it's like a Welsh or Irish surname anyway uh Shane (laughs) Rehoric I'm so sorry Shane um he is the founder of a uh company called Push Mobility And there is a story um, about him from 2018 when he was actually removed from a flight for having a foldable wheelchair from his own company that was designed to be in the overhead compartment. So he'd like Mm. checked in his, what would normally be his, like the bag that he takes on the the plane. He checked all that Mm. in. So he just had his wheelchair as, he just had that as his carry on. And 
so like he had the wheelchair that folds up and it is like yeah supposed to it's the whole point of it is that it fits in the overhead compartments um and the whole point of making these wheelchairs is because so many wheelchairs are broken when put into the hold so anyway Mm. he tried to explain all of this to the flight staff and then when he did they like removed him from the flight and called federal police the federal police rocked up and this poor man had to like explain everything apparently they quickly like the police quickly were like this is not a police issue um so that's good at the very least but he was obviously super super distressed and he flies all the time has never had this type of issue yeah left him super distressed and he said i got in the car and cried i was so upset sadly this is not uncommon for people with disabilities i just really wonder when things like this will stop happening to us so yeah, his uh, company, Push Mobility, they have a, mm. a bunch of different mobility aids and wheelchairs and all of that kind of stuff. And they also do um, maintenance work on them. So you can go to them to get your mobility aids like fixed or like done up and all of that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so this dude's an expert. He's an expert in this. And so if he's going through mm. this situation, what is it like if someone doesn't know their rights? There is also a story from... This year, um, Brisbane woman's wheelchair not accepted on Virgin Australia domestic flight because it's one centimetre too tall. <laughs> so, oh my God. This poor woman, uh, she has uh, muscular dystrophy. Um, she tried to book a trip from Brisbane to Cairns. And, um, Which is like an hour. An hour flight. <laughs> and she's like, I went to yeah. America in 2017 with Virgin um, and took this exact wheelchair without any problems. This ch- And this, mm. this quote, this quote is the quote that absolutely kills me. This chair fits in the boot of my Corolla and apparently there's not enough room <laughs> on a Boeing 737. <laughs> what a queen. Oh, I love her. Uh, I love her. Emma Weatherly. Like, yeah. it's all these quotes from her are just like, she is fucking furious and she lets them have it. It is amazing. Oh, I love um, it. But anyway, it's there are all of these stories about this. And, like, even, um, you know, Dylan Alcott, the tennis player? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he actually tweets whenever... Uh, stuff like this happens to him. And so one of the issues that I've learned after I was, like, looking into this, right, is that the Mm. other – it's not just, like, damage from being in the hold that is um, a potential issue. It's that if your wheelchair is in in the hold section, they just leave you on the plane while they go get it and they can take as long as they damn well please, like, once the plane's landed, to get your wheelchair to you so you can exit the plane. And so he's tweeted, like, he tweeted on in 2018 as well, but he tweets about this every time it happens to him, apparently. Left on another plane without my wheelchair being brought to the gate. No idea where it is, waiting for too long. Australian airlines need to sort their shit out. It is inhumane and unfair taking people's independence away and not caring about it. And that's so true. Oh, that's so horrible. It's like neither of these options are great. They either remove you from the plane for having a wheelchair that can fit in the overhead compartment, or if you do agree, mm. they either damage it, lose it, or take ages to bring it to you. So they take as long as they damn well please to get it to you so you can exit the plane. Oh, my God. And the other thing is I apparently learnt that well, – I apparently learnt – I learnt that apparently um, – <laughs> Sometimes they say to you, oh, no, we'll just bring you one of the airport wheelchairs. Mm. That's fine for some people. But I was reading from one woman that apparently these wheelchairs are either like incredibly old and stiff and difficult to use, broken, unavailable or not like applicable to their disability. So like there are people who they're like, well, I can't use that wheelchair because of, you know, whatever their disability is. I physically can't use that wheelchair. And the airport and the plane staff will just be like, oh, well, that sucks. Like, there's just no thought oh put into God. it at yeah, all. Yeah, they're really for um, elderly people that can't walk very far. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it's I learned so much from having to, like, just trying to look for Australian statistics of how often we lose wheelchairs, mm. and it's just sent me down this absolute rabbit hole on the internet. What actually led to the rabbit hole was um, – this news story last month 
which was also another disability activist uh, coming across airlines screen with their wheelchair as well. This was uh, Ingratia Figaro, an amputee with a spinal cord injury mm-hmm. um, who had her wheelchair broken on a United Airlines flight. Yeah. So, and what happened with her is it was it, it, what you're saying totally. It was a custom made wheelchair that was very specific to her condition. Yeah. Um, so she was a disability rights activist and president of communities actively living independent and free in LA. So she had to wait five hours, like we were just talking about, uh, in a manual wheelchair in the airport, um, and then discovered her custom made chair was broken. Um, and so this led to the development of a pressure sore resulting from her being unable to balance properly. So she battled with United Airlines to get a replacement chair. Um, which meant she had to use a loaner wheelchair provided by the airline that, again, wasn't built for her body. Um, And they agreed to replace the chair, which was valued at $30,000. But in the months in which she was fighting for them to replace it, she just got sicker and sicker Mm. um, from these pressure sores, which became severely infected. Uh, reached a hip bone, oh. required two emergency surgeries, and ultimately her death in October. I can't get over that, like, when things like this happen, able-bodied people, like, those able-bodied staff would have just been like, oh, just use that wheelchair, you'll be fine. Mm. And they don't realise mm. the impact it can have. You can yeah, kill it's killed someone. Her. Yeah, you've killed mm-hmm. someone. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, that's so awful. And I can't, oh, I just can't get over it. And... The wheelchair costing $30,000. So Mm. you have to save up so much money to do this. Like, Mm. and they've just broken the chair and been like, oh, well, you know, you'll figure it out. Like, fuck you guys. I don't, oh, Mm. God, it's so frustrating. And like you said, it has like such major real world impact and can kill people. I think it's important to just sort of close this out with this statement from Senator Tammy Duckworth of Illinois, um, who raised the importance of valuing wheelchairs as an extension of the human body, mm-hmm. something Figaro also lobbied for. Wheelchairs should be treated like a human limb because they're my legs, yeah. um, Duckworth told Insider last month. So... Yeah, it's not just an object you can just throw off the side of a plane. That's mm. someone's legs yeah. and it should be treated as such. Well, that, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And if you are, you know, a mobility aid user or a wheelchair user, that it, that's a really sort of good way of maybe explaining to an able-bodied person that is, you know, saying shitty things about your wheelchair or mobility aid. Like, if you put it that way, I think that's a really sort of good way to sort of actually get them to listen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Treat this like a human limb because it is a human limb to me. Okay, so now we're going on to our uh, semi-regular portion of our news, Plague Ditch. You look like hell. Yeah, I just got back. It's time for the Plague Ditch. Um, The last couple of weeks I've been reading a lot about Devaccination. Yes. Chloe, have you heard about this? You mentioned it to me and you said you were going to do something about this. And I was like, you know what? I know nothing about this and I'm going to leave it that way because I mm-hmm. want you to explain it to me like I'm five because <laughs> I know nothing about what is going on here. <laughs> uh, even before COVID, you know, we had a, we've had anti-vaxxers for ages. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. So <laughs> this thing went around on the internet in 2019, actually, mm. um, before anti-vaxxers totally went berserk over COVID. Yeah. But there were some Reddit posts about, you know, vaccinating your kids. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the Reddit post on this re- uh, reads, you can vaccinate your kids and then hold a raw potato to the wound where the needle entered. The wound. And it will suck the toxins from the vaccines out, leaving only the non-toxic parts. It's a great way what? to stay healthy and thwart big pharma. So they yeah. reckon it's taking out part of the vaccine that they just think... The tox- just the toxins. A slice of raw potato. A slice of raw potato. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. all. Okay, okay, right. No, I, d- so, I did not know. A lot of people were like... Okay, actually, we should just spread this because it's totally harmless and it 
if if they believe that and they can get their children vaccinated and then put a potato on it yeah. to suck it and out then think, tell them it's true yeah they'll think that you just know everything's chill but the child will still be vaccinated yeah absolutely exactly oh my god and I think we, should, we should push push the potato theory absolutely to be honest yeah but of course they've put it up a notch uh in this year of our lord 2021 mm. of you know of course they have um so lately i've been reading some little recipes about how to devaccinate yourself so of course they're on telegram doing this of course. and facebook yeah. groups and this kind of stuff um so as we know devaccination is impossible mm-hmm. but they're willing to try in a video hosted on BitChute, a flat platform known for its extremist content mm. a man applies electrodes <gasps> a strong magnet and 55% Montana whiskey in the hopes of removing a COVID-19 vaccine from a U.S. military veteran. Attaches electrodes to what? I don't know. If you say his penis, I'm going to be really upset. Please, please. There's a soul on his gooch. Yeah, I hope he electroshocks his, uh, yeah, his, um, his balls. Okay. Yep. All right. So he attaches electrodes to himself. What? Holds a magnet and then... Yeah, and then drink some whiskey. Drink some whiskey. And reckons uh, that yep. that devaccinates him. Mm-hmm. Cool. Other people are, other people apparently are doing um you know I'm a fan of Chinese cupping. Yes. But they're doing that except I mean this was part of it thousands of years ago maybe. But they draw blood from the infection site by making extra incisions with a razor. Oh god. And then putting a cupping on the top to draw blood from it. Um, so cutting open the wound kind of thing and then putting a Chinese cup. Oh, that's awful. I know. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know. It's really bad. Holy shit. Okay. Oh, these people. What is wrong with mm. these people? Mm. Yep. Okay. And, of course, of course, they're still drinking chlorine t- dioxide. Um, which is a kind of bleach used to treat paper products. Fucking hell. Okay, yeah. Mm. Did that all come from when Donald Trump was like, oh, we can just drink antiseptic or bleach or whatever? Because he said that, I didn't think he? So. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Christ. So, oh. there's, of course, there's anti-vaccine influences on TikTok. Um, pushing yeah. things like taking baths in water infused with borax. Um, Borox or trying is that like bleach? It is a multi-purpose household cleaner and all-natural laundry booster. Oh God! Yep. Okay. Yeah. Mhm. Yep. So, if you put baking soda, Epsom salts in a bath to remove the radiation, bentonite clay, and one cup of borax to take nanotechnologies out of you. So they um, <laughs> they're taking baths in bleach. Um, essentially, mm-hmm. and salt baths, Epsom salt baths in bleach. In bentonite clay, Epsom salts, baking soda, and the borax. Yeah. Um, and they're also using a syringe to uninject the vaccine. To uninject the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So just shoving a needle wherever it went in and just mm-hmm. sucking out whatever they find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, no. That's pretty good, isn't it? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, I could just feel like I, I live so close to a hospital and I could just feel like there just being energy of like nurses being like something was something was said wrong. <laughs> like I can feel yeah, it. Yeah, they just they just all shut it. Yeah. Well, every nurse went down their spine. Five kilometer radius. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. What is wrong with these people? Uh, and you could also sprinkle some lavender oil on the on your kid's pillow or oregano oil just to be safe two weeks later if you've got a child in the house. So, okay. Lavender oil just mm. helps you sleep better, doesn't it? Mm. It's, so they're just, it's okay. Yep. Oh, I mean, that's a lot. Anyway. That's a lot better than shoving a needle into your arm and just sort of sucking out blood and muscle probably oh okay um oh. so i hope these people just will stick to um you know 
the pro potato yeah i potato honestly all of this stuff the potato thing i really really like i think that's i like that's it the way i think to it's go. nice it reminds kind me of, of um there's this um girl that went viral on tiktok and mm. she, she went viral on tiktok because of fr- her friend made a series of TikToks about this girl's like little scam that she was running, and it's the most oh. the most wholesome scam of all time. And basically, she was talking to unvaccinated guys on like dating apps like Tinder, and mm-hmm. be, like talking to them this whole time and being like, "Oh my god, yeah, like let's go on a date," but like. I only go on dates with uh, vaccinated guys. And so, like, was, mm. like, telling them to, oh, yeah, like, go get vaccinated and we'll go on a date. And so then they'd come back and be like, I got vaccinated. And then she'd just ghost them <laughs> and would de- just kept doing it. So she's responsible for all of these guys getting vaccinated. <laughs> and Amazing. It is the most wholesome little scam, scam. <laughs> I've ever <Yeah>. heard of. <laughs> I love it. It's like, yeah, I that's... Let's just keep telling anti-vaxxers that the potato thing works because between this this girl on TikTok and the potato theory, we're going to get everyone vaccinated. It's mm. going to be sweet. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, so I think that's the end of our uh, our little news uh, segmenty kind of thing. Do you mind if I do a little bit of a a little bit of a rant? Of course, Chloe. I can sit back here, cross my legs, yeah. you know, put my feet back up on the desk. Have yourself a little back. Have a little glass have of a little wine. Drinking. Yeah. yeah, have a toot on the vape. Have you a know. toot on the vape. <laughs> You're doing that anyway, in all fairness. A toot, um, a toot on my metal saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That actually makes me want to quit smoking if I refer to. <laughs> My vapors, my metal saxophone. I love that. I love that. Oh my god, saxophones are made of metal. They are made of metal. Yeah. You need to find, some, <laughs> you need, you need to find something that's not made of metal. Like so, like a straw. My metal straw. Just oh, a toot man. on my metal straw. So Just call it a metal durry. Just a toot oh, on my yeah, metal. No, that's good. Toot on my metal dart. All right. Yeah. All right, I'll sit back here and, and have a have a tutorino. Tutorino on my metal dart. Okay. All right. So I I'm gonna do a little bit of a rant. I've been going to started to go see a, psych, a psychiatrist and have been absolutely like floored by how expensive mm. it is in Sydney. Mm. Um. Mm. Anyway, so with the fees and all of that kind of stuff, like I've been broke as hell, like really really struggling, and I work in a nearly full-time role. I work four days a week and I do a lot of freelance work as well. So, like, I basically work full-time. If I can't afford it, then so many other people can't afford it more than me, you know? Like, and I'm struggling. So, yeah. anyway, it just got me thinking about, like, I think I, I think because I've been broke and all of that kind of stuff, it's get, it's been getting me down a little bit because it's like... It, there's so many things that as disabled people and chronically ill people, there's so many like ceilings that we have to keep fucking punching up to get through. There's so many hoops we have to jump through. There's so many like, ev- there's nothing that's easy. You know what I mean? Like there's mm. never anything that's just like, hey, I've got this and I need this to be able to access this. And they're like, okay, like that never happens. It's always a fucking- Yeah, chill dog, that's totally fine. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, it's just got me down a little bit and things like, you know, diagnosis and to be able to get meds and like all of the stuff that we have to do now to be able to get schedule eight meds, like see all these different specialists and do this and do that Mm. to be able to get meds that, you know, three years ago, we were on completely fine with no issues. Now it's like, oh, we're drug seekers and we should be criminalized. Like it is unbelievable. Um, but even things like, you know, like you said, getting a ketamine infusion or getting medical cannabis and that kind of thing. It's like, it's not just I can go to the doctor and be like, hey, I need a prescription for medical cannabis. No, you have to go to a company no. and you have to get a specialist to say yes. And you have to get this person to do this and they have to have 10 people sign off on it or whatever. Everything is hard. Every single step mm. of being chronically ill is hard. Mm. So 
One of the things that is major, and it's I've been thinking about it a lot recently with all of the sort of disability commission stuff that's been coming on, is how hard it is to get on the NDIS. We've said it on the yes. podcast before, right? Probably majority of the disabled and chronically ill people I know all should be on the NDIS realistically, but can't for various reasons. Yes. Yep. They don't qualify. It's way too hard to go through the process. It's, you know, there's so many different reasons, but literally majority of the people I know are not on the NDIS, which is really mm. saying something because we know a lot of chronically ill and disabled people. Yeah, and when you read in the news, like, when they're relating vaccine numbers to the people on the NDIS, that's totally not an accurate figure as to how many disabled people are in this country. And I think that's that's probably one of the things that's gotten me th- gotten me thinking about this as well because it's like, yeah, all of their stats are just like, oh, well, you know, if we do this for disabled people, and I'm like, you're literally only talking about this tiny percentage of disabled people. Like, what about the rest of us? Why can't we be part of this rollout? Why can't we do this? Like, it's, yeah. So anyway... I found this story and it was published for International Day for People with Disability by Refinery29. And Refinery29 mm-hmm. are they've just re, they've just like launched in Australia. They're doing really really cool shit and I highly recommend going and looking them up because it is they they're doing really awesome. So this story is called Why More Aussie Women Aren't Claiming Their Disability Benefits. Mm. So Apparently, recently, it was revealed by a group of people that published a paper, and it was published by Broad Agenda. It was revealed that women and girls make up just 37% of people on the National Disability Insurance Scheme, the NDIS. Really? 37%, which I found mind-blowing because I reckon majority of the people I know that have chronic illnesses are women. That is unbelievable to me because there's so many chronic illnesses that you know the rates of of which are very like women are the predominant percentage so yeah i found that really bizarre it says the inequality uh in the ndis is making all the other issues for women with disability from employment to health justice and education so much more inaccessible so how did this happen right It says, essentially access to the NDIS is won or lost on information from the medical system. A system that has, from the beginning of time, not believed, taken seriously or been run to benefit women in general, let alone disabled women. For example, the largest chunk of NDIS funding goes to people with conditions like autism. That's one of the conditions that is significantly underdiagnosed in women. And that's that's not because autism is a thing that only boys get. Scientific research is increasingly showing that women, um, women and men experience autism at similar rates, but the gender biases in testing and girls feeling societal pressure to hide or mask their autistic behaviour comes from an early age, which means that women get mm. under, they're undiagnosed or they get diagnosed far later in life. Like, societal pressure is already crushing them, which is so absolutely devastating. Um, and yeah, they learn how to mask really, really early on mm. in life. And so it goes on, secondly, the medical conditions the NDIS are least likely to fund are the ones women experience at much higher rates than men. Oh, weird. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's one of those things that when I read it, it angers me. It, but, and yet I'm like, I know that, of course, of course that's the case. Yeah, of <laughs> but, course. Yeah, but, I, yeah. Like, but it yeah. still fucking hits me really hard, you know? Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a study published last month on women's experiences accessing the NDIS were conducted by five of Australia's leading disability and women's health researchers, uh, noted that conditions like chronic fatigue syndrome affect women more than men, which has uh, been contributed to the medical profession continuing to downplay their severity. Given the gender bias in the diagnosis and treatment of pain in women, it may be harder for them to obtain the extensive evidence required for disability support Mm. claims. Mm. Then it goes on to the final point. Finally, another most mostly overlooked reason why women don't access the NDIS is because we're just too damn burnt out to fight another system that was built to work against us. And mm. and this go like this is why like when I read this I was like shouting yes at my computer because like yeah it's sum- totally it summarised how I feel about so many things at the moment yeah I know yeah yeah um 
The NDIS requires every ounce of my... Ad- this is the author speaking. The NDIS requires yeah. every ounce of my advocacy skills to get my needs met, and I am a professional disability advocate. The scheme requires mm-hmm. people living with disability to argue our case to multiple strangers every couple of years, convincing them of what support we need, why we need it, why we can't get it somewhere else, and why we can't go without it. And they don't just take our word for it. My recent NDIS review required 10 separate detailed reports from doctors and allied health professionals, which meant organising 10 doctor's appointments, attending 10 separate appointments, advocating for my needs 10 separate times just to get those 10 letters written. And that's before I've even made it into the Zoom waiting room to begin the two-hour NDIS review meeting. Like, Jesus. Is there any surprise why, like, it's, it's no surprise to me that like so many women are just like, I just can't deal with another thing. I just can't, because that thing, the NDIS, getting on the NDIS is so huge. Like it's such an undertaking, you know? Mm. And in the background, you're managing, you know, your own personal needs, whatever bloody flare up of whatever else is happening that you need to get attended to. Totally. And then Um, also- Because it's never just one one Mm. condition. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, Doing all of this kind of stuff makes stuff worse as well. Like you get burnt out and flare, like end up in a flare up doing a lot of this kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It also doesn't think about like when you work, you get less in terms of NDIS support and disability pension support and that kind of thing. And yet Mm. going through this rigmarole also while trying to work a little bit. Oh, it's so difficult and horrendous. We've like we've even seen it in the in our group. Like there's been plenty of people that over the years have been like I'm in the middle of this NDIS like you know, head fuck and I'm just so burnt mm. out like I need some support. It's heartbreaking to see if we can't even get basic needs met from this situation which is supposed to be for us. I just don't get why it exists at all. And wasn't there some like some politician the other day that was like, it's not supposed you're not supposed to be on it for the rest of your life? Yeah, yeah, that was the uh, I think that was Linda Reynolds, oh, uh, the minister for disability, I believe. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yes. So for interna- international listeners, Linda Reynolds. Yes, she is the uh, serving Australian politician serving as minister for government services and minister for the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Exactly, yep. Um, she is a member for the Liberal Party. Mm. I will have no comment on that. Um, nope. Yes, so I'll find what she what she said. Minister for the National Disability Insurance Scheme, Linda Reynolds, is calling for states and territories to increase their contribution to the scheme, arguing the program is coming over cost um, and was never intended to function as a welfare scheme for life. Oh, because your disability just disappears one day. Of course. I'm going to wake up one day and be totally able-bodied. I just... (laughs) Again, it's like the the vaccine rollout and the way we've had to handle COVID. It's the federal government abdicating responsibility once again. Yeah. And it was... And it also just shows fundamental understanding of the people that they're supposed to be supporting. Like, they're put in those positions to support us and then say shit like this what the fuck it's mm. yes there's probably a cost blowout to the NDIS because it would be great if it got a little bit better and that costs money mm. take some money out of the fucking huge defense well it's a cost it's a cost blowout because they've cut so much money from it in the first place exactly yeah doing anything to it of course is going to go over the budget which you've slashed to pieces over the last however many years. Yeah, like it's the it's the it's the Liberal government's favorite thing to destroy the ABC and the NDIS. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so bizarre Ugh. when they're like they got something to pieces, and then when people are like, "Hey, this is bad. It doesn't work." They either double down and are just like angry about it. Or they make Mm. some small change, the smallest possible increment of positive change, um, and are like, oh, we fixed it. It's like, no, no, you've done fuck all. But, yeah, it's a really fantastic article. We'll link it in the um, the episode notes. But, my God, it has literally just summarised so many feelings that I'm having at the moment. 
about so yeah, many different and so things. much of what we get to see from from other people Absolutely. that have to deal with this. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I will put it in the notes because it is. I highly recommend. Uh, giving it a read and looking at that paper about women and girls making up 37% of people on the NDIS because that is super Mm. fascinating as well. So, yeah. Mm. End of rant. Speaking of rants and stories, Mm. I have another little story to tell you this week, (gasps) Chloe. Yay, now I get to to sit back and have a little drinky and uh, I don't get to suck on my metal, metal dart. Can you, can, you, can you just bring me one? <laughs> Why are we in different states? <laughs> I need the metal I know, dart. it's awful. It is awful. It's so awful. All right, okay. Um, I'm laying back. Here. So, no, before you lay back, mm. I want you to look at the picture I put in our notes and tell me what you see. Okay. I'm going to have to make it bigger because I see nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. It is um, a bunch of... Uh, ladies from a time period that is quite a long time ago and I'm bad at picking <laughs> time periods so I am not going to embarrass myself um, they've all got sort of high neck um, high neck dresses and frilly hats Like so yes, quite a long time ago and there is uh, one person in the middle in a wheelchair yeah, so group of people with one person in the middle in the wheelchair and how how would you say that person in the wheelchair, how, how is her general demeanour, do you think? What kind of person do you think that is? Oh, gosh, I'm her general demeanour. I feel like that's a really... I don't know. I think she's got a vibe. She's, I think she's got a vibe. Does she, she looks quite happy, I think. Mm. I can't. It's a really blurry Ooh. picture, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, it's from, like, you know, yeah. the 1800s. Yeah, okay. Um, today I'm going to talk to you about May Billinghurst. Mm, okay. So she was born in 1875 in Lewisham in London and the second of nine children of Rosa Ann Billinghurst and Henry Farncombe Billinghurst. Her mother came from a family who manufactured pianos and her dad was a banker. Manufactured what? As a child, pianos. 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 (laughs) Pianos. The old honky-tonk. Excellent. Yep. That's right. (laughs) Okay, yes. Um... As a child, she survived polio, which left her unable to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, she wore leg irons and used either crutches or a motor, uh, sorry, a modified tricycle. Mm, okay. May became interested in politics and the subject of women's suffrage. She later recalled, my heart ached and I thought surely if women were consulted in the management of the state, happier and better conditions must exist for hardworking, sweated lives such as these. Mm -hmm. It was gradually unfolded to me that the unequal laws which made women appear inferior to men were the main cause of these evils. I found that the man-made laws of marriage, parentage and divorce placed women in every way in every way a condition of slavery and were as harmful to men by giving them power to be tyrants. Are you finished eating? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Okay. She attended meetings where she heard Millicent Fawcett, Charlotte Despard, and Emmeline Pankhurst give speeches. However, it was Christabel Pankhurst who inspired her to become a suffragette. Mm, of course, suffragettes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so she joined the Women's Social and Political Union in October 1907. She became secretary of the Greenwich branch in 1910. In November, she was one of 159 women arrested at a demonstration outside the House of Commons. Ooh, okay. Afterwards, May recalled, uh, at first the police threw me out of the machine onto the ground in a very brutal manner. God, of course they did. She's talking about her chair, I think. Yeah. Um, secondly, when on the machine, again, they tried to push me along with my arms twisted behind me in a very painful position. Thirdly, they took me down a side road and left me in the middle of a hooligan crowd, first taking all the valves out of the wheels and pocketing them so I could no, no longer move the machine. Oh my God. There's like police brutality. That's just like anger. And then there's like thought out, like awfulness Mm. like that. It's like, cool. We're going to take this physically and put it in our pocket so she can't get it back. Oh, my God. Horrible. Mm. Another suffragette later testified her crutches were lodged on each side of her self-propelling invalid chair. Mm. 
And when a meeting was being broken up or an arrest being made, they, she would charge the aggressors at a rate of knots that carried all before her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This, this woman is an absolute bad bitch. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, you can tell. This is. I love this. When the police retaliated and tried to control this, she ran the risk of being ejected on the ground where she was quite helpless. Of course, she took the risk with her eyes open. And when this happened, as it did on occasion, made full and unscrupulous use of her infirmities so as to obtain the maximum publicity for the cause. I love that. (laughs) Where she's like, oh, no, look what they've done. Exactly. (laughs) So disabled woman. I love that. Yep. Oh, what a uh, it bad made the police look worse uh, constantly, and I'm... they couldn't claim that she was this, you know, harridan of people since she looked so ill and helpless. Wow, mm. that's like really when like just ingrained ableism has really been in the favour. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like she, in our she's. Really, 1911, yeah. she knows what's up. She knows what's um, up. I love her. So in November, May Billinghurst was arrested again. Um, a report read, just at that time I was returning to Whitehall, I met Miss Billinghurst, that, ind- <laughs> that indomitable cripple. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. What a tagline. I know. Indomitable- Being carried... <laughs> Being carried shoulder high by four policemen in her little tricycle or wheel cart that she propels with her arms. Amidst immense cheering from the crowd, she followed the rest into the police station. Uh, One newspaper claimed that she had set her chair going at full tilt towards the police. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. She's just, like, ramming them with her chair. Yes, she is. Oh, I love that. Um, (laughs) Billinghurst was charged with obstruction and sentenced to five days imprisonment or a five shilling fine. Someone must have paid this fine because there is no record of her having gone to prison on this occasion. Mm -hmm. Uh, In March uh, 1912, the Women's Social and Political Union organized a new campaign that involved the large scale smashing of shop windows. May agreed to hide rocks under the rug covering her knees. She's like, oh, no, I need a blanket because my knees are yeah. cold. It's just filled with yeah. rocks, rocks, rotten tomatoes, yep. <laughs> eggs. Yep. Uh, so again, she was arrested and eventually sentenced to one month's hard labor. She spent the time in Holloway prison, although the authorities found that the hard labor part was impossible to enforce. <laughs> An inmate I'm said, obsessed with this woman. I'm obsessed with her. Um, an inmate said, Miss Billinghurst is here with her tricycle. She has irons on each leg and can only walk with crutches. Her tricycle work, uh, works with handles. She drives it around the yard at exercise time. It is painted in the colours with a placard, votes for women on the back of it. It's just cruising around the jail. <laughs> the thing that she like essentially got jailed for and she's still yeah. doing it on the inside. Still doing it. Oh, yeah, that's so good. So... <laughs> She gets let out again mm-hmm. um, and then again takes part in the campaign to destroy the contents of pillar boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think these are kind of letter box things. Yeah, pillar, um, yeah, pillar letter box. It's the big, yeah, the big by, ones. Oh, okay, right. Mm-hmm. Um, by December... Twi- uh, I keep doing the wrong date. By December 1912, the government claimed that over 5,000 letters had been damaged by the WSPU. A fellow suffragette, Lillian Lenton, argued uh, May would set out in her chair with many little packages from which, when they were turned upside down, there flowed a dark brown sticky fluid concealed (laughs) under the rug which covered her legs. She went um, from pillar box to another, sometimes alone, sometimes with other suffragettes, to do the actual job, um, dropping a package into each one. She was eventually arrested again. She's just pouring uh, like treacle basically into a letterbox, yeah. being like, <laughs> yep. Fuck you yep. guys. Yep. Uh, she was eventually arrested at Blackheath, uh, preparing for another raid. Mm-hmm. She seemed pleased about being caught as she told the police officer, with all the pillar boxes we've done, there has been nothing in the papers about it. Perhaps now there has been an arrest, there'll be something. Oh, <laughs> 
I love that. So She's funny. like, maybe if I go to jail again, yeah. <laughs> something will if happen. Oh, if you put old me in jail. Yeah, <laughs> poor old me in a wheelchair. Oh, no. Yeah. God forbid. Uh, uh, the government authorities may further maim my body by the torture of forcible feeding as they are torturing weak women in prison at the present time. They may even kill me in the process, for I am not strong, but they cannot take away my freedom of spirit or my determination to fight this good fight until the end. Oh, my God. So She is now my icon. Oh, I know. She's Just my hero. using ableism in society that is so ingrained, turning it on its head, using it for her benefit and the cause's benefit. And just continually being like, well, that's more important. You know, I can do I can do anything. I can go to jail. I can do this. I can do that. I can roll around the bloody courtyard of the jail like mm-hmm. at exercise time. Still promoting my cause. What a bad bitch. Yep. Love her. Billy Here's Hurst was, of course, again found guilty and sentenced mm. to eight months in Holloway Prison. Eight the months? Judge marked, yeah, that's a long that's one for her. That's a long one. No one could, I think, doubt for a moment, as mistaken as I think you to be, that you were animated by the highest and purest motives in what you did. You do not belong to the class of hysterical women, many of whom are associated with this movement. Oh, wow. You appear to be animated mainly or at any rate in some measure by a desire for notoriety. Mm. So apparently she's not like the others because she's in a wheelchair, so that's all right. right. They're just like, no, no, you're uh, part of our good society, not part of the, those like you've been poisoned. boorish, boorish, hysterical mm. women over there. Mm. Wow. Wow. Okay. So she went on a hunger strike and must have been let out because uh, on the 21st of May 1914, she took part in another demonstration outside Buckingham Palace. This eventually turned into a battle between the suffragettes and 1,500 policemen. Of course, she drove her tricycle into the police lines. Yes, of course. Um, Charlotte Drake was one of those taking part in the protest. I was beside her. They threw us back, but we returned. Two policemen picked up the tricycle with Miss Billinghurst in it, turned it over and dropped her to the ground. Jesus. The excitement gave me strength. I picked her up bodily and lifted her back. We straightened the machine as best we could, rested a little to take breath and struggled on again. Wow. So... On the 4th of August, 1914, England declared war on Germany. Mm. I was just um, about leaders- to say, this is, this is wartime. It's coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the leadership of the Union began negotiating with the British government. And on the 10th of August, the government announced that it was releasing all suffragettes from prison. In return, um, the suffragettes agreed to end the militant activities and help the war effort. Right. Um, after the passing of the Qualification of Women Act, uh, May ceased to be politically active um, and died in Weybridge on the 4th of July, 1953. What? Legend! An icon, <laughs> a legend, a star. My God. It's like that Lady Gaga gif of her being like stunning, amazing. Like, <laughs> just mm-hmm. every. This, oh, I'm obsessed with her. We stand forever. Um, so, look, we we actually don't have any spoony hotlines this week, which, you know, little tear running down the face, but... Um, yeah, it is unusual for you, Laura. I know, you guys mm. absolutely love having a chat. Um, but look, of all the podcasts to understand when you don't have the time or energy to do something, it is this little podcast. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we've done two episodes in like three and a half months so we totally understand um however we would love more spoonie hotlines so if you do have something to rant about something to say something that you would like to ask us please feel free to record a voice memo on your phone and email it to chronicallyfullysick at gmail.com and yes we will share it on the pod uh if you aren't able to do the sort of uh, audio recording kind of stuff, feel free to just chuck it all in an email and uh, we're happy to read it out for you. And we're also happy to make any other accessibility options that will make your life easier so you can get featured on the pod. So don't hesitate to ask us. So, Mm. yes, in place Mm. of uh, no Spoonie Hotline this week, Joe, what do you think we should do? Well, our section last episode, which was... Historically, fully quack watch something. something. Anyway, it's yeah. it's my it's my collection of cures for illnesses throughout history. 
I've done my research this week and I've got some, you know, some interesting recipes for you. I bet you do. So, my God. We did have we did have some requests to do more of this, actually, which is, okay. you know. Okay, well, that's a good little spoony hotline. <laughs> you guys just going, Joe, we need more of this absolute fuckery on the podcast you just going into the deep dark corners of the web and finding horrific i'll do it for you people yeah she will she will go to deep dark corners of the internet for you people so you're so our um last week we did talk about uh british evangelist john wesley Mm. now he is back this week with 1740s medical manual primitive physic or an easy and natural method of curing most diseases okay so epilepsy you got epilepsy Mm. he suggests cooking a strong man's hair with a deer leg bone oh no (laughs) strong (laughs) man's hair that's literally like the biblical thing of like the guy that lost all of his hair and then wasn't strong anymore samson and delilah yeah 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 strength was all in his hair my god Then you gotta you gotta ground that into a powder and then eat it in the days leading up to the new moon. Of course. Of course. Um in 1743, German anatomist Lorenz Heister wrote down treatment options for cysts which appear on the hands or wrists. Oh. This included strapping a bullet that has killed an animal to the cyst or <laughs> touching it with a dead man's hand. Wow. One is the thing that kills something and the other is something mm-hmm. that has been killed wow yes okay um mm. science just find just find all the dead man's hands that you can to just absolutely. place absolutely they're everywhere what can i say mm. what else are we supposed to do with all of these dead no. man's hands um <laughs> <laughs> whose dead man's hands is this um yeah okay great so Strapping a bullet that's killed an animal. Any animal? Mm-hmm. Does it specify animals? It, uh, it, it didn't specify, no. Okay. That is strange maybe it can be the Maybe it can be the deer which you're taking the leg bone out of previously. Well, look, they've got a – this is all like the farm to table, like we eat every part of the animal. Like this oh, is yeah. – <laughs> I'm sure they were doing that. <laughs> Great. Okay. So I think you'll enjoy this one in particular. Oh, um, no. There was a thing called the plague back in the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, the bubonic plague, the Black Death mm. uh, in the 1600s. So doctor, doctors believed at this time that disease was caused by deadly vapours. Oh, yes. Breath- yeah, yeah. Yes. Breathing in those vapours was what spread disease or made it worse. To that end, physicians theorised ways to keep people from inhaling the deadly vapours that could cause the plague. Yeah. That's so why there's so many in- zombie movies that are like about like mist and that kind of stuff that turn people into... Zombies? Oh, yeah, probably. Mm, yeah, because mm. it um, yeah, it all stems from the plague. So that that was why when you saw the doctors with the big beak masks, oh, they had yeah. um, I love those. garlic and herbs in those mm. to stop them smelling. smelling and then getting sick with the plague. Yeah, totally. So anyway, they figured that an equally foul odour, like a fart, could combat the disease. Oh, no. Oh no. Oh no. So, oh no. They suggested patients store their farts in a jar. Mm, yep. This way, when the plague appeared in the neighborhood, they could open the jar and inhale the fumes to ward off the bad vapors that came with the disease. So they was put all their farts in a jar and then smelt it. Great. Yep. Great. Great. <laughs> I quit. I quit this podcast. <laughs> I'm never coming back. I'm never speaking to you again. <laughs> I'm definitely never ever reading anything about it's the plague. It's just history, babe. Oh, what do you... uh, I don't understand. I know. I love history so much, but also I hate it. <laughs> Was it? So, did, he... did it have to be your own farts? Or were like a family uh, all farting in one jar? I think, a, you know, I think a family could do it. I don't think it's anyone. Like, I just think it's a general foul odour and, you know, that's on hand. Great. Wow. Mm. So... I've got, yeah, they really didn't understand how vapours worked or like anything or smells. No, I know. Because like you open the jar and you've immediately lost the last part. Yeah. Yeah. The fart flies out. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, here's here's one from our beloved country, Australia. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I've heard of it. I don't like it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the 19th century, a cutting-edge new treatment for rheumatism Mm. was introduced on Australia's southern coast. 
sitting inside a rotting whale carcass. Where I'm... Oh, no. <laughs> I'm from the southern coast. Oh, no. What are you doing? Was... What is this about? Clearly sitting in a fucking whale. Oh, no. Well... It was believed that if a person stayed inside of the dead whale's body for 30 hours, they would be relieved of joint aches for up to 12 months. hours. I've got to sit yeah, in a whale. You only get a year out of it. Yeah. So I've got to sit in a whale for 30 hours. It would cure your fibro. That's all. Yeah. yeah that's what and I'm then saying. I'd have one year without fibro. And then I've got to go find mm. another whale. Then you've got to go time. find another rotting whale. So this is the same. Well, not the same, but like. I've got to go to a specialist every year to be able to get Schedule A yeah. medication. So they've basically just yeah. carried this on. Yeah, you've got to ske- from... Schedule A medication, whale carcass, whale same carcass. diff. Yeah, they're, just, they're taking all of their... All of their um... Yeah, see, this is how history evolves, I guess. History just... Mm. We learn from history, get rid of the rotting whale carcass, but still make it just as hard for people to access what they need. Great, 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 Chloe, great, great. Do you like cornflakes? Mm, not after what you are about to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so, J.H. Kellogg, the man behind the cereal brand, was actually a medical doctor and health activist. Mm-hmm. Questionable. Um, another little known <laughs> health fact. activist in the way that Pete Evans is a health activist. Mm. Yeah, okay. Dr. Kellogg's famous cornflakes were also originally created to prevent sexual urges. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or more specifically, to inhibit the urge to masturbate. Masturbation was considered a huge sin back in the 19th century and Kellogg believed that a healthy diet was the answer to this problem. So, he's never... It's not really... It's not... Yeah, it's not illness or anything. It's really cool. Was... It's really cool to know that the creator of Kellogg's had never once in his life wanked. Jacked it. Yeah. Well, no, he was probably one of those people that, like, you know, was wanking constantly, but told everyone mm. else that they shouldn't do it. Like all of the, uh, you know, like politicians that get busted for, you know, telling people that they can't be gay, but then they turn oh, out yeah, to be gay themselves. Yeah. yeah. See in some yeah. hotel room yeah. with a, you know. So you reckon he's an obsessive, he was an obsessive. Wanker. Masturbator. Yeah. <laughs> in both, in both, uh, you know, ways of uh, interpreting that word. Wow, great. Interesting. So apparently mm. processed corn stops you wanting to wank. Yep. Great. Well, mm. hasn't stopped me yet. Yeah, I know. I love cornflakes. I love anyway, cornflakes too. I wank all the time. Moving on to our last one. Mm-hmm. Um, in ancient Egypt, the contraceptive of choice was crocodile dung. Dried dung was inserted into the vagina, the idea being that it would soften as it reacted reached body temperature to form an impenetrable barrier. Oh, no. That, crocodile that dung. is just a UTI waiting to happen. Like, I'm ignoring, know, the, right? I'm ignoring the crocodile part, but fuck. Oh, my God. But guess what? No, I don't want to. It's, my... <laughs> okay. it's also alkaline to a degree similar to contemporary spermicides. That is, crocodile, crocodile dumb. Ugh. That Dumb. is crocodile. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Well, stop with your uh, ableist slurs on this podcast. <laughs> Continue. All right. That is, it chemically neutralizes the sperm when it enters the vagina. So it so did actually pa- work. Yes. So it would dilute the dung to a non-infectious level. So, you know. Not actually that much woo woo after all in the uh, bit of crock dung up your up your vag. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm. So so that's I it. I was not expecting that's that is the most surprising thing. You've upset me with everything mm. else. <laughs> the most surprising mm-hmm. thing that you I did not expect you to tell me is that in ancient Egypt they used crocodile dung as contraception and it worked. <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah, that's so weird. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Go down to Australia Zoo. Yep. Just pick some up. Collect some. Yep. Yep. Just scoop it up straight up the vag. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to wait for it to warm up, though. Got to wait for it to warm up. (laughs) Mold to the body. Molds to the body. Oh, God. I thought when you said it molds to the body that it was, like, created, like, a condom. (laughs) Like, it was, like, rubbery (laughs) or something. And then... Oh, my God. No. It... (laughs) <laughs> That's so weird. A sheath of a shit. Sheath, a sheath of shit. There we go. That's the episode's title. You've nailed it right at the end, though. <laughs> right Thank at the you. end. Thank you. 
Thank you. It's it's been good to see you, Chloe, and it's, talk to you. It has been good to see you also, and also horrible because you've said a lot mm. of things that have distressed me in the last ten minutes of this podcast. <laughs> anyway, blame the blame the listeners. That's what they wanted. That is what they wanted. They, just, they is, like hearing you yeah. get upset. Listeners, this is your fault. You say that you want things, and then she goes into horrible corners of the internet, and now look what happens. I'm upset. <laughs> Mm. but Mm. keep doing it I guess I'm willing to be upset for you guys because you guys are great so look we're amazing look at all the things love you love you guys bye 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 and there ain't no kill for that girl you'll be dead in no time fat girl you get echonecrosis from the yersinia pestis and it makes your tongue a black girl gonna bury you out in back girl Mongols use biological warfare at Kappa Hurl Bay Corpses at